Grateful to be here. Could you stand for the reading of the word? But in your hearts, revere Christ as Lord. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. Do this with gentleness and respect, keeping a clear conscience so that those who speak maliciously against your good behavior in Christ may be ashamed of their slander. This is the word of the Lord. You may be seated. My name is Andrew. Uh, I'm the uh, pastor of Sanctuary, um, the founding pastor, I guess. And uh, I have the opportunity, the gift, the joy to serve you in um, just unpacking this passage in First Peter. And then, um, as you know, if you've been, uh, if you're not a visitor, by the way, if you are a visitor, you stumbled into a very special service today. Uh, a little in-house meeting of sorts. We gather our two churches together. We're a family of neighborhood churches, if that hasn't been made clear to you yet. And we come together once a quarter or once a season uh, and celebrate what God's doing. Uh, so we hear vision for, the, for what's coming. Uh, and we just take some time just to rally and give thanks and to look around at the room uh, we wanted to even, we were thinking like we should just extend the greeting time out a good 10 minutes just to get folks time. I know that's the introverted nightmare. But to actually get some time just to look around at folks that are a part of uh, the same church together. This is, we're praying the gift of this way of starting churches around the city. The small churches around um, Providence uh, and maybe beyond, God willing, one day, uh, who are making sense of what it means to live out shared vision, shared theology, shared ethics in a particular geographic place. Uh, that's why I love just looking at some of the initiatives that naturally come out of north and naturally come out of downtown. And as we continue to plant churches, come out of other neighborhoods, we get the joy of helping each other, serving each other and doing that and simply celebrating the good work that God is doing in our midst. So we're going to talk today about two passages this first Peter passage we just read, and then we've been in a series in Colossians across our churches. I love saying across our churches, but it's only two. It just sounds epic. Across all of our churches, across campuses. Hi, I see you out there, Warren. Um, we've been studying the book of Colossians, and so we're going to end then in a section of Colossians, actually towards the end of the book, that I think will give us context uh, for all our churches as we continue through this uh, book leading up till Easter. I wanted to start, though, uh, because I've been... Thinking a lot, specifically, about um, this question, what has changed the most within our church? Um, and for whatever reason, I could think of a few, it's been this, what has changed in my own heart? And the answer to these questions feel eerily similar. And I've been asking many of you, a lot of our leaders, talked about this uh, at our elder meeting this last week. What have been the things, if you could kind of um, just name a few words of what you feel like has been happening in the midst of our communities? And it's not, I don't take, I don't take um, it for granted that it might not always be the same things happening in every church. But there's something consistent as I talk to folks from north and as I talk to folks from down city of what's been going on. And there's three words uh, that have come up, and they form a really cute acronym. Uh, pastors always look for acronyms everywhere. That's our job. Just kidding. Um, if you're Rick Warren, that's your job. So one is hunger. 
I, I don't know why, but in my own life, and I see it within the life of our church, I'm seeing a deeper hunger for the things of God. I am a person who, like many of you, um, was never the person uh, up front ecstatically like wanting to turn church into a dance party. Or the person who wants to kind of go to their knees, prostrate, while beautiful liturgy is read over us and a choir sings. Right, because really, you know, you, that sort of church, right, high liturgical church and, and the charismatic, let's go to the nightclub. They're actually two sides of the same coin, right? It, it's just, it's a physical, demonstrative, like, ache and hunger for the things of God. I, uh, as I've shared a bit downtown recently, have spent a good chunk of my ministry time being very concerned, and I hope this comes from a good place, with the cynical person in the room with a person who needs a lot of contextualization, with a person who needs um, a very uh, in-depth plausibility structure to like get from, how do I get from, I don't even know if there's a God, to dancing in the front row. Like I, there's no, for many folks, there's no pathway for you. That's not a thing you in any way see happening. And I've realized that often even when I've taught I always have that person in mind. Now that comes from a desire and an ache to help people know Jesus, to understand um, in a post-Christian world that we live in, where for many of us, we know the water we swim in is not one of like Christian tradition. Everyone just assumes they're a God. How do you talk about the Bible as if it has authority when no one around you thinks the Bible has any bearing or authority on their life right now? Every sermon when I first start would go from Atlantic Monthly or Wall Street Journal, New York Times, and then lead to the Bible. I don't take any of that back, and that will always be a part of me. But what I'm noticing and why I say all that is that I've realized there's a, um, a newfound wonder and childlike hunger for more of God in a way that has me almost wearing Christian T-shirts. Almost. Those who know me laugh hard. Those who don't are like, I, I've got my a breadcrumb and fish t-shirt on. That your favorite one? Favorite Christian t-shirt? Don't go to church, be it. Nice. Christ the King, CK, Calvin Klein. Anyone else got a good one? Smoking or non-smoking are your choices in eternity? <laughs> a, a breadcrumb and fish is still my favorite because it's such a reach. It's Abercrombie and Fitch. Yeah, exactly. You didn't even get it the first time. I was like, oh, that's awful. <laughs> May God have mercy on whoever made that. A hunger and, a, and, a, and an openness would be, and a passion. These are the three words. A hunger and an openness and a passion that has produced in me um, a, a childlike wonder, and I'm seeing it in folks around me. A, a desire to make Jesus Lord over their affections, over every part of who they are. When we talk about making Jesus Lord, we're, we're, not, um, we're simply acknowledging something that we believe to be true, that Jesus is king over all, over everything. That is the glory, it fills the earth. His majesty and splendor are everywhere. That, that over every aspect of who I am, 
he would be the most important thing. And it is to Jesus that I would, I would cede, I would submit to. And in my own heart, uh, it's been a hunger and an openness and a passion that have grown in such a way that I find my, uh, my prayer life, I find my time preparing for teachings, I find my time talking to friends filled with far less cynicism, far less prefacing, far less explaining, far less trying to make things as palatable as possible, and more time just bearing witness to what I'm seeing happen in the world and seeing happen in my own heart. A hunger and an openness and a passion. And so what happened is that then I thought about this verse. Revere Christ as Lord. What comes to mind when you hear the word revere? Well, everyone shouted it out. I love this. Paul. I'm like, they can't be saying Paul. Yes, I know Paul like wrote Colossians. But Paul Revere. Excellent. Love you, church. I got to find another job. I love it. Paul Revere. Boston. Then I think of Sam Adams. Then I think of the pub. Revere Christ is Lord. <laughs> Can you put that passage back up on the screen? In your hearts, revere Christ as Lord. I realize that what's been happening in the lives, my life and the life of many of you is we're beginning to revere Christ as Lord over all of our affections. Over our, our, our not just our emotional response to God, but over the daily in and out feelings that we're experiencing, over the, le the lens in which we see the world. We're beginning to revere Christ over more areas of our life than ever before. Why I think this is so important for us to talk about today is because what happens when a person or a church begin to revere Christ as Lord, when they begin to grow in hunger and openness and passion, like the newly married couple who can't stop posting photos on Instagram, like the new parent who can't stop posting photos on Instagram, like the person who, you know, just discovered a donut shop and can't stop posting photos on Instagram. You're compelled. You're compelled. You came across something awesome, and how could you not share it? Now, not everyone will see it the same way you do or be as enthused as you are. But how could you not, right? This is natural to how we operate as people when we come across something beautiful. And so if we as a church are noticing um, a deeper openness and a deeper passion and a deeper hunger for the things of God, for God himself. I have a suspicion that we're going to start to want to point out the majesty of God to other people. We're going to begin to grow in our desire to see other people. Do you realize what I've experienced? That's why trying to sell people on a worldview doesn't work. 
I did not become a pastor to sell people on a worldview. Because to be honest, I actually think the Christian worldview is the best way to live. Like just from a secular standpoint, I actually think it's great. From an evolutionary standpoint, I've heard devout new atheists make a similar kind of argument. The Jesus ethic kind of makes sense. I could sell you that. But as Greg Johnson says, it would be a nice fireplace with no fire in it. It would be a nice fireplace with no fire in it. And what we're realizing is this isn't just uh, we're feeling compelled to more align with a particular worldview that makes sense. And you know what, Pascal's wager, if I'm wrong, hey, at least I lived a good life of sacrificial love and generosity for other people. And like prayed a little more and had an excuse to like get together with friends before brunch. No, so many of us are hungering and more open and more passionate than ever before about the person of Jesus, experiencing the life of the Spirit in our community. Revere Christ as Lord. What is the connection between revering Christ as Lord and and then, as Peter says, uh, and then be prepared to give an answer for the hope that you have within you? In the Greek, this is literally just one sentence. It just flows directly into one another. Can we put that back up on the screen? Just leave the first Peter passage up there. Always be prepared to give an answer. But in your hearts, revere Christ as Lord. There is no period in the Greek. But in your hearts, revere Christ as Lord and be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks of what's going on inside your heart. Peter is saying, hey, 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 declare the majesty of God over everything. Psalm 96. You put Psalm 96 on the screen. This is what the psalmist says. Sing to the Lord a new song. Sing to the Lord all the earth. Sing to the Lord and praise his name. Proclaim his salvation day after day. Next slide. (laughs) Oh, it's not on there. That's all you get. That's the only psalm you get. The psalm ends with just talking about declaring Declaring the Lord's salvation. Proclaim the Lord's salvation over everyone. It says later in the psalm, let the nations hear that our God reigns. There's something about um, realizing and waking up to the majesty and wonder of God all around us, revering Christ as Lord that all of a sudden propels us to go, let the nations know. One way to put it would be this. We are in the presence of greatness. One way to think about what happens when God begins to move in our hearts and we have to share it is I just want to go around telling other people that they're walking around in the presence of greatness. Your atheist friend, whether they want to believe it or not, whether you're here tonight and you're, or this morning and you're an atheist, you're welcome, this is a safe place. Just know that you're probably sitting next to someone who is a follower of Jesus who just sees the world, right, very different than you. You probably already got that. And that they, the way that they're seeing things is that, hey, I, I know you don't see it or get it or um, you don't believe that this is happening, but I actually believe that you are sitting in the presence of greatness. And, and I don't mean me, though I do look good this morning. <laughs> that you are in the presence of greatness. How can I not declare this over all the nations, the psalmist says? How can I not announce this? How can I not be ready to give an answer to the hope that I have within me? You are in the presence of greatness. There's this great story about this boxer, Joe Lewis. He's on a bus. He's, I already ruined the story. Man, pretend he didn't hear that. There's a guy sitting on a bus. He's sitting in the back. 
by himself in the corner. He's, he's like one of these uh, gentlemen. Anybody really like, you know, stout on the top end, but you got some long legs? Right? So you sit down and everyone assumes you're kind of small. And then you stand up and you're like, <sighs> A bunch of kids, and he's a pretty beat up guy. They start making fun of him. A bunch of people like in the back of the bus, one kid, and then the second kid joins in. And they're just like berating him. It's like in the 30s. And this is how the story apparently goes. Is they're just like, just like they keep turning it up because he won't respond. And they keep turning up the vitriol and turning up and making fun of him. Just like throwing stuff at him, I think, at one point. So the story goes. And apparently when he gets to his bus stop, he stands up. He, and then they're immediately like, okay, maybe we shouldn't have been so hard on you. And he looks at one of the kids in the eye and hands him a business card. And it just says, Joe Lewis, professional boxer. And he walks off the bus, right? Come on. But if you were there and you were a friend of his sitting on the bus, sitting around him, and you heard these kids start to like, like make fun of this guy who you knew was pretty brutal, right? It'll start as, you probably, you know, don't do that, man. That's not cool. That's not, that's not, uh, and then it like starts to ramp up more. And now you're not really like worried about your friend's feelings being hurt. You're actually worried about these guys like getting their butt like kicked. And so you just start, oh, no, you, you literally, like you don't know who, sh- no, stop, no. no. Oh, don't say that about his mom. Like, no, like don't, you have no idea. Oh, this is going to get you. Like you want to, these kids didn't know that they were in the presence of greatness. They didn't know they were in the presence of greatness as followers of Jesus I love this as an apropos story of like if Christ is being revered in our hearts, if we're making Christ loader over the center of not just ourselves, but the, when we realize in our IDing Jesus is center of all, as our affections and passion grow for him, we begin to want to point out the good and the beautiful all around us. Now where the story breaks down is this is not a story about, hey, hey, God's about to smite you down. This is a story about will you wake up to the God who has forgiven you and set you free, to the God of grace who reigns over all. I just want to wake people up to this. We are in the presence of greatness. So turn with me to Colossians. This is the book that we've been in, and I want to just walk us slowly through how Paul closes the book. Paul has never been to this church. He's writing this church in a city called Colossae. He's heard about all this amazing fruit that's beginning to happen in the church. He is incredibly excited. He gives them uh, this really thorough and beautiful picture of how Jesus is center of everything. It's a good name for a church series, center. Center of all that they are. The center of the world. He gives them this, this grand language about what Jesus is doing, reconciling all things back to himself this hopeful and beautiful story that we actually believe we're not just floating on a, you know, on a star destined for nowhere, but God is making all things new. This is the story. And then he ends it in an absolutely fantastic way. He says, so church, by the way, the church is getting tripped up with adding extra things to the good news of Jesus. They're adding a bunch of extra stuff to it. And he's just trying to say, hey, all you need is Jesus. All you need is Jesus. Always only Jesus. He's just like drilling that point home. This is what you need. This is where maturity comes from. This is what it means to go deeper. Reflect deeper on the reality that you are loved, saved, no fear in death. Your identity is wrapped up in him. You are loved. This is where the power comes from. He says, go deeper in wisdom surrounding Jesus. Don't get distracted. 
because they're a new church, brand new, and their affections are being stirred from, their affections are being stirred. They're getting hungry and passionate and they're open. And then Paul writes, devote yourselves to prayer. Be watchful and thankful. Let's stop there. This is a great way to think about how to engage the world around you. Get serious. Devote yourself to prayer. Don't casually pray. Devote yourself. The more you pray, the more it is waking you up to the God who is around you everywhere. And the more that you develop a relationship, the more I talk with my wife, the more you talk with your friends, the more you know the heart of the person you're talking to. Devote yourself to prayer. Then he says, be watchful. Like pray for stuff and then see what's going on. Pray for stuff and look. This is like really simple. Three ways to think about prayer. Devote yourself to prayer. Devote yourself. God, I I just want to see this thing made new. Help me to figure out what I need to do with the next three hours of my life as I go into cubicle land. I'm still, I'm home with my kids and there's milk everywhere and vomit everywhere and I'm exhausted and I feel, God, give me vision for the next three hours. I want to devote myself to prayer. God, what do you want to do? What are you up to? What would you teach me about this moment? How can I bless my, just, I mean, this could be 30 seconds. Devote yourself to regularly praying. Then watch. Look around. What's going on? Be watchful. Be open. Don't distract yourselves. And then, and then be thankful when, when you see God do stuff. Be thankful. Respond to the good gifts that you see God giving. And pray for us too. So Paul and his entourage, pray for us. He's telling this early church, what is he doing right there? This new, brand new church. They're just waking up. They're finally getting it. They're experiencing the passion of Jesus. And, and then he says, pray for us too. He activates them. He invites them in to the mission before them. Pray for us too that God may open a door for our message. Now Paul's in jail, so I like to think this is just a prison joke. God may open a door. A breadcrumb in Fitch. No. I got some more jokes. They're coming. And pray for us, too, that God may open a door for our message so that we may proclaim the mystery of Christ for which I am in chains. He's saying this is, what, this is how this is going right now. I am in jail. And what does he pray? God, that you, I would get out of here, that I'd be healthy, that things would be all right. God, please deliver me from jail. I'm sure he wants deliverance from jail. But his prayer is what? I find myself here, led by God. I've been faithful, which is why I'm in jail. I spoke allegiance to God and not empire, allegiance to God and not country. I spoke allegiance uh, uh, to the Christ, the Savior, the Lord of all, and this is where I find myself. I find myself in jail. It's like, so uh, pray that I'd have more opportunities. It's like he's like praying his way to martyrdom. It's like, all right, uh, like that you would reveal, like help me be able to reveal the mystery of Christ. Help me to reveal the beauty of what God's doing in the world. More people need to hear it. He's sitting in jail and all he's thinking about is to this new church, he's inviting them, activating them on mission to say, hey, hey, look at my life. You guys should do this. And then pray for me. Like, come, like, pray that more of this would happen. He's modeling the sorts of prayers. Devoteful, watchful, thankful. Pray that I may proclaim it clearly as I should. Be wise in the way you act toward outsiders. Make the most of every opportunity. 
Let your conversation always be full of grace and seasoned with salt so that you may know how to answer everyone. So this language right here in the Greek is fascinating. Wise in the way you act toward outsiders, make the most of every opportunity. This language is literally to buy up or buy out is what the word means. Make the most, to buy up or buy out, like going bargain shopping. Like of every opportunity, when you see a deal, you snap that right up. When you see an opening, you snap. Whenever you have an opportunity to proclaim the mystery of Christ, whenever you have an opportunity to ID for other people what's going on in the world, right? Followers of Jesus aren't bringing Jesus anywhere, ever. We are tour guides. We are pointing out to a world where Jesus is and what God is up to in the world. That's our call. And so he says, buy up. Go bargain shopping. Make the most of every opportunity. When I was a kid, all I, I thought I had a, a number of fantasy sequences involving being a rock star. One of them was this. I imagined, uh, I'm somebody who like, I would follow the music industry, get Billboard, watch the Grammys every year religiously. I still like desire to turn into the Grammys every year. I have this image of me getting up. Our band was about, was about to play on the Grammys and it's live TV. And at the last second, right, we're supposed to play whatever our hit song is. What, something like this? No, just kidding. And then when the song, when we were about to go on, I would like look at our bandmates and go. And then all of a sudden we would play like some worship song. And we would just like lead a worship service at the Grammys. Well, sadly, I'll never get that opportunity to do that. Would you please turn your attention to the screen? Is our God sing with me? How great is our God, and all will see how great, how great this is, is live our God. On CBS on the Grammy Awards, is that God is better than the world's best thing? Magnify, magnify, lift it on high. Spit a Spotify to qualify a spot on your side. I cannot. Then it gets crazy. It turns into a full-fledged worship service. Check this out. He just keeps going. This is three and a half minutes later. I get my word from the sermon. I mean, I talk to the sermon. Chance the Rapper, who won Grammy of the Year, he made the most of every opportunity. He just literally yelled at Jay-Z. Jay-Z's in the front row with Beyonce. And he said, you better stand up. We're talking about my God. And he is worthy. I do not have... The cojones, I don't know what to do that, especially to Queen B. Make the most of every opportunity. Be seasoned with salt, the text says. It's like a really common phrase in this time. Like let the color and the flavor and the richness come out. There's an opportunity in front of me, and so I, I, I mean, how could I not point out the majesty and glory? You don't have to believe, that's fine. If you were to ask me three years ago to give a message on evangelism, on sharing your faith, 
I would have walked through all the reasonable things on why Jesus is reasonable, why it's actually not that much of a leap. Why, if you really know your history and what human ethics are founded on, and I would just like launch into a tirade of about four different angles depending on who you are. High mystery person, high intellect, high rational. And I could sit here and unpack that. And I think there's a place for skills. There's a place for learning apologetics and learning how to talk. But it's got to begin with our affections being stirred from God. I don't know Chance the Rapper, but I get the impression he may not be a theologian. I don't know that. But frankly, when he stands up and talks in every stinking interview, it's almost annoying to me, and I'm a Christian. He just gets up and just goes, oh, I got an opportunity here. I probably should make the most of it. I mean, I, I want to make sure I point out that everybody who's on the other side of Jimmy Fallon's like, camera knows that like, they're in the presence of greatness. But it's not me. I'm in the presence of greatness. This is what, what we have to do. This is what we do. This is how we do it. So it ends. Colossians ends with the most amazing, just like fiery way to end a book. It just ends like this. Paul just goes, I like to imagine going like this. If you were reading it to him. <laughs> and he just goes, remember my chains. Grace and peace be with you. He ends this book after activating them. Come and join me in the mission. You have been revering Christ as Lord. You're realizing that Christ is Lord over all. You're realizing that Jesus is all you need. Devote yourselves to prayer. Be watchful. Be thankful. Be gentle. Do it with humility and respect. Be ready to give an answer. By the way, being ready to give an answer for the hope you have within you implies what? It implies talking and it implies that people are no one's asked you about what's going on in your heart. Just use it not as a guilt moment, but as a little check. When the affections of God are stirring in your heart, I have seen from the mightiest intellects to the lowliest communicators, when their affections are stirred for God, being powerful people who are pointing out the beauty and generosity of God all around them. Paul ends his book saying, so remember my chains. Grace and peace be with you. Remember what you are a part of. Remember the mission that you have. Remember what it costs. Remember you might find yourself here yourself. Remember my chains. Remember that this is the path of Jesus. It's like sacrificial love and sacrificial movement for the world around you. Remember my chains. The world is changed when people follow the path of Jesus and stand up and serve those around them and lay down their life and demonstrate and announce the good news of Jesus everywhere they go because how could they not? So I'm sharing this story. I'm sharing my sermon and uh, I'm kind of going over this, going over this, trying to figure out what I'm going to do. And, and then uh, I uh, finished up on Friday, sat down in a coffee shop just to kind of, yeah, wrap everything up. And I knew that Pastor Sarah was going to meet with somebody. Uh, and so Morgan, um, is Morgan here? Yeah, come on up. 
So uh, you give it up for Morgan. You can climb up this way. Come on up. Pastor Sarah knew what I was going to be speaking on, so she, she kind of rushes over after talking to Morgan, and she didn't share any, like, you know, really intimate things you may have shared with her. But Sarah comes over and goes, you've got to hear. You've got to hear, like, what Morgan just shared. You've got to hear this. Because it, well, I'm just going to let her talk. Morgan, um, what's changed? What's, in the last month, what, what's been happening in your heart? So I just felt um, a wave of kind of what I described it as, like, confidence um, around sharing where the things of my heart come from. Uh, And before where there was just a lot of insecurity and what will people think? Will they feel pressured? Will I not know the perfect thing to say? Um, That's just been calmed and put at bay so much recently. Uh, Yeah. (laughs) So when did this all change? So I was kind of thinking about it, and there is a moment that I remember in church a couple, like three or four weeks ago, and it was all the different words for praise that... um, And one of the things that I remember is saying that praise is a command. It's like not just when you're comfortable, but that it's that it's a command. And there's no way to like a specific thing I remember is there's no way to grow a church if you're just um, like restricting and holding yourself back based on what non-believers think. And that was just a really big thing for me because I was always like, oh, I need to make people make sure they're comfortable. And if I share something that might not make them feel comfortable. And from that point, um, one of the things was I never felt comfortable just like putting my hands up in praise. Like I was always like, "Mm, I know that person back there. Like, will they think that's weird? I don't know. Or like. They do, by the way. They think you're weird. Get over it. And I just felt like a wave of like, no, like this is my God. Like this is like, how can I not like share this? Uh, and yeah, like that point on, I just have this like confidence in like not worrying that I might say like trip and say the wrong thing. And that's been really cool. When I heard um, Morgan's story, the simple movement of my affections are being stirred from God, that service that she described was just one where I I told uh, one of our leaders in our community, the one thing that changed for me in that particular sermon, it was like one of the first time I preached a sermon and wasn't overly preoccupied uh, with the person who might not get any of this. And I just spoke about the power and beauty of praising God And something changed in my heart that day, too. And what Morgan's experiencing is just this movement that we started with. When I begin to revere Christ as Lord over my affections, when I begin to become more open, I begin to just celebrate the goodness of God in a very real and authentic way. What begins to happen? What begins to happen is I'm compelled. Right? Instagram comes out. We go on photo shoots. A lot of donuts get photographed. 
Right? What happens is, is we get compelled to point out that your friend up the street is in the presence of greatness. That, that your friend who's got like down and out and doesn't know where to look is actually in the presence of hope. Right? That the person who is this, this, the, the, the cynic and the doubter are in the presence of wonder and joy in a way that they don't know. That the person who has walked away and continues to choose death after death after death are still in the presence of forgiveness and grace. A God who loves them right where they are at and far too much to let them stay there. And so what's happened, it sounds like in Morgan's heart, was like, oh, that's just my sermon. That's just what I wanted to share is when we begin to revere Christ as Lord. And so I had this vision, and I want to start with Morgan today as we close. I just had this vision of the whole front of this place just filled. We've never been to like a come to the altar church. Maybe you came from one of those. It's like if there's anything to respond to God, something's happening in my heart, well, i got to at least go to the altar. And we're going to invite in a moment like a bunch of folks who pray, our prayer leaders. So then we're going to have oil with them. And I want to invite you, one, if you're here, and we do this almost every week, if you're here and you want to become a follower of Jesus, like trust me, he's worth following. There's something happening in your heart that maybe not make sense in your head and come forward and just say, I'd like to follow Jesus or I don't know what the next step is, come. Two, some of you are tired of not being hungry and not being open and not being passionate and you don't know what to do. You need like your faith renewed. Maybe some of you, it's like, yeah, I was at that service and it was just weird. I, don't, I just don't know what to do. I feel lost. I feel listless. I felt cynical for so long. I don't know where to go, but I know, I know deep down what is, what's to be true and I want my affection stirred. Come and allow someone to pray for you. Renew your faith. Re-up. Say, I'm back in the game. I need to wake back up. God, I want to come. I want to make a physical reminder, a physical move to say, God, would you renew my faith? I don't, I need somebody else to pray for me because I can't pray for me. I need someone else to step in and just to pray for me because I can't pray for me anymore and I don't know what to do. And three, and this is what we have the oil for, is I want to just anoint some people to proclaim the gospel, like to be proclaimers of the gospel. There are some folks in here that you're like part of Morgan's story. You're like, I don't know what to do. I don't have, like, I didn't read the books you read, Andrew. I... Even if I did, I frankly don't know what to do. I don't know how to let my light shine. I don't live in such a way that people are asking me questions. But I want, I know, I want, I know that God's calling me to be a minister of the gospel, to proclaim the good news. And so if you're sitting here and you want someone to, to bless you, to anoint your head with oil and say, we, I, I anoint you to preach the gospel. This Lent, we want to invite you, good old-fashioned youth group time, write down the names of a few folks you need to pray into the kingdom. Paul says to pray for open doors. Where do there need to be open doors for the kingdom? Where is there injustice in your neighborhood and you want to see open doors? Where is there brokenness? Where is there violence? Where is there ache and pain? Where are there people who do not know, who are in your life and don't know the name of Jesus? And pray for them. Maybe you brought them with them and you're like, this was the wrong service to bring them. No, this was the right service to bring them. If you're here and you're not a follower of Jesus, I'm telling you, come and talk to me. Come and talk to Sarah. We'd love to pray for you. Help you make sense of what I know is stirring in your heart, what I believe is stirring in your heart of the presence of greatness that you are in. So come forward if you want to say yes to Jesus. Just come forward. You can start coming now if you want. Come forward if you want to have your faith renewed. Prayer team, if you just come up. 
Just come forward. If you want someone to just bless you to preach the gospel, like I wanna, I wanna be a, an evangelist. I wanna preach the gospel. I wanna be somebody who announces the good news with power and strength. And I wanna start today with Morgan. Can we pray for Morgan? How can we pray for you? Just come um, forward. Yeah, you can pray that um, this, that I would continue to not seek perfection, but just that the Holy Spirit would speak through me and um, put those words on my lips and that I don't have myself, that those would come from God and just opportunity after opportunity um, in the gym, in my office, um, in group projects, just everywhere. Those opportunities. Can we pray for Morgan? Yeah? Can we pray for Morgan? I think for many of you, Morgan's story Morgan's story is your story. There's something that's beginning to waken you and you need someone to pray for you. Come forward as I pray. Just come forward. Lord Jesus Christ, Son of God, we pray for Morgan. God, I pray that uh, you would give her, um, she's like one of the most fun people I know. Like laid back and just so dialed into the joy of the universe. Like the goodness of God, the grace that exists all around. And I pray, Lord, you just that volume would get turned up. And more and more people would come and ask. I have this vision of somebody just coming up to her and just being like, I've wanted to ask you for a long time, like, what is your deal? Where is this hope you constantly have? Lord, I pray that you give her the clarity to be able to communicate, as Paul says, the mysteries of Christ. I pray that you would open doors. Morgan, I anoint you to preach the gospel to the city of Providence. Amen. Amen. Some of you want to come forward and pray for friends. Specifically now, there's friends you have in mind. I'm fine with like this whole, like just everything, everyone spilling out into the aisle. To come, maybe you need to come and just kneel in the front and just pray for friends. You have specific friends you've been praying for for a long time. Come and pray for them. Come and lift them up. Maybe there's something happening in your neighborhood. There's an injustice that you need to pray for and you need to come like the prophets of old and say, no, 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 we're saying no to the racism in our city. No, 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 we're saying no to the brokenness and idolatry in our city. No, no, we're saying no to the powers that be in Washington that want to, like, kill and destroy. Maybe you need to come and you need to pray for life for those around you. Some of you need to pray for your enemies. Just come forward and pray. I know this is so not us and not our church, but I want it to become it. I desperately want us to be a church that hungers and is open and passionate about the things of God. So even if you don't want someone to pray for you, just come and be prayed for. Come and and stand, if you would, with us. We're going to sing. We're going to sing. Maybe you need to just sing over the people who are coming up for, but we're just going to sing together. So if you're up for it, would you stand? Would you sing with us?